Trinity Church family, uh, would you find the book of Joshua? We uh, conclude our study in the book of Joshua this morning. Joshua chapter 24, we'll uh, pick up in verse number 13. And this morning I want to speak to you on this subject, holy serving the Lord. Holy serving the Lord. Joshua chapter 24, we'll begin to read in verse number 13. Once you found that, won't you stand with me, all those that can and are able and honor and reverence for the reading of God's Word. We're in Joshua chapter 24. Begin to read in verse number 13. The Bible says these words, I have given you a land for which you did not labor, cities which you did not build, and you dwell in them. You eat of the vineyards and olive groves which you did not plant. Now, therefore, fear the Lord. Serve Him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river in Egypt. Serve the Lord. If it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. That's for me and my house. We will serve the Lord. So the people answered and said, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God is He who brought us up and our, our fathers up out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went and among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out from before us all the people, including the Amorites who dwelt in the land. We also will serve the Lord, for He is our God. Joshua said to the people, You cannot serve the Lord, for He's a holy God. He's a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then He will turn and do you harm and consume you after He's done you good. And the people said to Joshua, No, but we will serve the Lord. So Joshua said to all the people, your witness is against yourselves and you have chosen the Lord for yourselves to serve Him. And they said, we are witnesses. Now therefore, he said, put away the foreign gods which are among you and incline your heart to the Lord God of Israel. And all the people said to Joshua, the Lord our God we will serve and His voice we will obey. Let's pray together. God, we ask that your precious Holy Spirit, God, would challenge hearts and lives today. God, I simply pray, as I do every single week, if there's someone in our midst that's never trusted you to be Lord of their life, I pray your Holy Spirit will convict them of their sin, their need to turn from it, and to trust Jesus to be Lord of their life. God, I pray for a church family today. Lord, you'll really challenge us about holy serving you. God, show us today from your word what your definition of service is. Show us today how easily we can be deceived, God, through emotion to say words that our heart really has no intent of keeping. God, I praise we come to a time of invitation. Everyone who leaves this church today can honestly say before you that they've been born again and they are wholly committed to serving the Lord Jesus Christ. It's in his precious and holy name we pray and ask this. Amen. Now I invite you to be seated. Remember that the book of Joshua is the book of victory. Moses had died, Joshua became the leader, and it was now his opportunity and uh, also 
uh, great privilege to lead the nation of Israel across the Jordan and into the abundant life that God had saved for them to experience. Remember, the book of Exodus teaches us that, that God called the nation of Israel to be a kingdom of priests, uh, but also to, to have children, to, to have generations, just to continue to have godly families so that in the fullness of time, you can go to Matthew 1 and begin to see uh, this through all these different generations that one day in the fullness of time when God said it was time, Christ would come and he would fulfill the promise that God had made in Genesis chapter 3 and in verse number 15. Well, Joshua's time is coming to a conclusion. Uh, the author of Hebrews says it's appointed to man once to die and then the judgment. Friend, I want to remind you that I don't care how healthy you feel today, at some point, you're going to die. You're going to draw your last breath, and you're going to fall dead, or you're going to die and that you're raised in the rapture, and you're going to be changed. But earthly living will one day cease, and soon it was about to come for Joshua. In Joshua chapter 23, he personally called the people together. Apart from God's word, that is God speaking through him, he personally wanted to challenge the people. Because he was their leader. He wanted to encourage them to serve the Lord, to cut any ties to sin away, to be all in. Well, then God wanted to challenge the people through Joshua to speak his word. And though God had been so gracious and so good, many of the people had begun to serve pagan gods uh, and God at the same time. They just hadn't, listen, don't miss this. In their mind, they hadn't wholly turned away, they hadn't quit the church. They still came. Uh, they still showed up on Wednesdays occasionally. They still came on Sunday night every now and then. But apart from the church, they were serving other gods. They were things they loved, if not more, equally with God. And that was their spiritual reality. And God wanted to challenge them through Joshua one last time to wholly serve him. Four things noticed this morning. First off, I want you to notice the reminder of God's goodness. Uh, look at verse number 3 of our chapter that we're in, Joshua 24. The Bible says, I took your father Abraham from the other side of the river, led him through all the land of Canaan, and multiplied his descendants, and gave him Isaac. So he reminded them, I chose Abraham. It wasn't Abraham's plan to serve me. I chose Abraham that I would fulfill my covenant promises through. And to Isaac, I gave Jacob and Esau, and to Esau, the mountains of Mount Seir to possess. But Jacob and his children went down to Egypt. I also sent Moses and Aaron. I plagued Egypt according to what I did among them. And afterwards, I brought you out that I might bring you in. Verse 6, then I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and you came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued your fathers with chariots and horsemen of the Red Sea. So notice the verbs. God says, I took, I led, I multiplied, I brought. God says, you didn't do any of these things. And notice it's all in the, it's all in the first person singular. God says, I did these things. You didn't do them. God says, if it wasn't for me, you'd still be making bricks in Egypt. God says, I did all of these things for you. And then notice in verse number 7 something so very interesting. Now, remember again, God's been speaking in the first person singular. I, 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 I've been doing these things. So listen to verse 7. So in response to the Red Sea, their, their fathers, verse 6, their, their forefathers, cried to the Lord, and he put darkness between you and the Egyptians, brought the sea upon them and covered them, 
and your eyes saw what I did in Egypt. Well, now God changes his speech to the third person singular. It's been first person singular. I did, I did, I did. But now he says, notice what he did. Who's he talking about? The angel of the Lord. Exodus, verse number 14, Exodus chapter 14, verse 19. Exodus 23, verses 20 through 23. You ought to write those down in the margin of your Bible. That speaks about the ministry of the angel of the Lord who led the nation of Israel out of Egypt. When Egypt came, stood behind them, split the Red Sea. He split it on one hand. Grace held one side back and mercy held on the other. And he gave the nation of Israel a way that they could go through. They didn't do that. It's the angel of the Lord who did that on their behalf. So here's a pre-New Testament uh, appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then notice very quickly in verses 8 through 13, he says, I brought you into the land of the Amorites who dwelt on the other side of the Jordan and fought with you, but I gave them into your hand that you might possess their land, and I destroyed them from among you. Then Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, arose to make war against Israel and sent and called Balaam, the son of Beor, to, to curse you. But I wouldn't listen to Balaam. Therefore, he continued to bless you. Every time he sought to curse the nation of Israel, Balaam, God put a blessing in his mouth. And he finally told Balak, look, whom God is blessed, he's blessed. And so there wasn't anything that the devil could do to them, listen, that they didn't allow the devil to do to them. You see, they had a choice. But the Bible says, God says, I delivered you out of his hand. Then you went over the Jordan and came to Jericho, and the men of Jericho fought against you. Also, the Amorites, the Perizzites, Canaanites, Hittites, Gertishites, Hivites, the Jebusites. God says, but I delivered them all into your hand. I did this. He said, you didn't do it. God says, I did this for you. I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out from before you. There they were going into battle, and God just sent hornets into the midst, and all of those skilled soldiers, they couldn't do anything. God says, I did this for you. Also the two kings of the Amorites, but not with your sword or with your bow. God says, I did this for you. Look at verse 13. I have given you a land for which you did not labor, cities which you did not build. You dwell in them, you eat of the vineyards, the olive trees, which you did not plant. Friend, God reminded them of all the blessings that he had given them. And not they nor a false god did anything to give it to them. It was God Jehovah that did it for them. He was reminding them of how blessed they were. And friend, we need to be reminded how blessed we are. All that God has done on our behalf. We sing all the earthly blessings. We've got a roof up above us, good place to sleep, food on the table, shoes on our feet. A fine family. Friend, these are all blessings of the Lord. Someone says, well, I worked for him. Friend, you couldn't draw your next breath to do the work or you wouldn't have the job if God hadn't allowed you to do it. Every earthly blessing that anyone has, it's all by grace and mercy. God provides those things. But far and above that, friend, are our spiritual blessings. We have salvation. It, it was uh, planned by the Father, purchased by the Son, performed by the Spirit. We didn't do any of those things. It was God's plan to save, not ours. It was purchased through Christ, not us. No amount of good you could ever do. And my friend, you could never see yourself born again. It is a work of the Holy Spirit. And salvation is the greatest blessing that will ever happen to anyone. And we have the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. 
to help guide us, direct us, convict us, to warn us. There's the Word of God. One of the greatest possessions, friend, that you have, earthly, the greatest possession you have, is your copy of God's Word. It is a lamp into your feet, a light into your path. The privilege of prayer. To know that boldly we can come into the presence of Christ when we are His child and have a right relationship with Him. The promises of God, Hebrews 13 and verse 5, God says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. No other relationship, friend, can you count on that. Spiritual gifting. God gives us the spiritual gifts that we need to be able to work and to serve Him, to perform the calling that He's given us within the life of the local church and then the mission that He's given us. Friend, I want to remind God doesn't need us uh, for anything, but He allows us to be on mission with Him. Friend, listen, God doesn't need us to share the gospel. He has called us. He has challenged us. He holds us responsible. But God can speak through a bush. God can speak through a donkey if He chose to. But He chooses to allow us to be His ambassadors upon this earth. And that's something to be thankful for. So we need to be reminded when we're thinking about serving the Lord just how good God has been to us. And we've done nothing to deserve these things or to deliver them into the presence of our lives. Second, I'd have you notice today, not only a reminder of how good God has been, but the response that needs to be made. So the people have begun to intermingle their life with serving other gods. Remember, they haven't wholly quit God. Don't, don't, don't misunderstand. They're still coming to church, okay? They, 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 the pastor knows where they're at. He sees them occasionally. But in their private life away from God, they've begun to serve these other gods, and God's calling them to a response. There's, there's a choice that needs to be made. Look at your Bibles in verse number 15. And so Joshua, he, he looks at them, and God speaks through him, and really it's kind of a, a sarcastic question or statement it says now if it seems evil to you to serve the lord choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve if if, if being all in sounds contrary to god's word can i you say well how foolish a statement friend i feel like that all the time in ministry i sit and talk to people about being all in and they look at me like i'm crazy you try to talk to people about discovering their spiritual gift and serving within the life of the church, and they'll just kind of ease back and give you this, this funny look. You talk about holiness, having a life that is separated from sin and wholly committed to Christ, and people look at you like you're, you're over the top a little bit. And God demands that kind of commitment. Jesus said, be holy, for I am holy. And so that's why God asked that question. He says, now, now if it seems evil to you, if it just seems, you know, plain stupid, or just a little over the top, to serve me wholly, then choose who you're going to serve. But God says this, friend, and He still says it today, I'm not going to share and I'm not going to be second place. God will not allow you, my friend, to share Him with another God. You say, well, I don't... I don't have any, you know, trinkets or false gods. Now, friend, you don't have to have a golden calf. It's anything in your life that you love equally or more than you love the Lord Jesus Christ. 
That's a God. That's your golden calf in your life. Fill in the blank with every... So I, I would never... Friend, just look at the amount of time, attention, and thought that you give to that, and it'll tell you whether you love God more. And so God says, if, if it really seems evil to you, then make a choice. Choose for yourselves today, not later. God says, do it now. See, we kick the can on everything. God says, no, you choose today. You choose today who you're going to serve. Many years later, 1 Kings chapter 18, after the kingdom had split, after the death of Solomon, remember later Ahab and Jezebel were going to have their evil rule, and God sent Elijah up to the top of Mount Carmel, and he called all the nation of Israel there, and he says, listen, how long halt you between two opinions? How long are you going to keep riding the fence? You're serving these gods that Jezebel's got because you're scared to death to stand up because you might lose your head. And I don't remember, friend, remind you that God never says that we have to live. There was, there was a great Christian of many years ago. His name was Tertullian. And he asked this question to the church. Must you live? You see, it was difficult to buy, sell, and trade in the early years of the church. And people would say, well, I mean, I have to, I have to kind of do these things. You know, I have to I have to keep this job, even though it's ungodly. I have to do these things, or, or I won't be able to live. Tertullian asked the question, must you live? We don't have to live, but we have to be holy. We have to be all in. We have to have Jesus Christ first. And so many of the people in Elijah's day were doing the exact same thing. And Elijah called them to a place and he said, Make a choice. Stop riding the fence. Stop going to church every Sunday with your Jesus fish on the back of your car, crying your eyes out there and thank you, for, Lord, for your blessings on me, but not serving me in the midst of those. He says, Put me first. He says, There's, there's a choice that needs to be made. And notice in verse number 16 as he challenges them. They began to say all the right things. And literally, you know, and it's a song I love, you can almost hear, you know, an instrumentalist began to maybe strum on a harp or a, a little stringed instrument. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings on me in the background. And so the people, so hear it in your ear. And the people answered in response. Now remember, they're, they're still in church, but they're serving False gods. And they hear all of these good things. It's, well, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord and that we should serve other gods. And so they began to go down memory lane. It says, for, for the Lord our God, well, well, it is He who brought us up and our fathers out of the land of Egypt and from the house of bondage. It is God who, who did those great signs in our sight. And it is God who preserved us in all the way that we went. And you can almost hear somebody else start to testify in the back and stand up. And the altar began to, to fill with people. And, and it is God who, who led us out among all the people through whom we passed. Verse 18, And the Lord drove out from among us all the people, including the Amorites who dwelt in the land, who, who also, we, we, we will serve the Lord, for He is our God. And to everybody else, man, it seemed like, boy, there's a real service happening. Son, I'm telling you, Spirit of God's fallen on this place. They're testifying, they're remembering, people are crying, the altar's full of people, I and mean, it's just God's shown up. 
God looked through all of it and began to speak through Joshua and say, it's all garbage. Everything they're saying, need met repentance. Saying all the right words. Listen to me, church family, but not a heart to back it up. Not a heart to back it up. How do you know that? Look, look what the Bible says in verse number 19. But Joshua said to the people, you can't serve the Lord. Well, I thought that's what God was calling them to. Friend, I want you to hear me this morning. God defines what serve the Lord means. We don't get to. You see, today, as long as you come to church some, you know, and you believe that Jesus died on the cross and you've got some Bibles in your house, you, you can still serve the Lord but still live for the world during the week and on the weekend, but then turn it all around on Sunday morning, and that's still serving the Lord. You see, we've redefined it in the day in which we're living. But God says what serving the Lord really looks like and really means. A little quieter there. God defines. We don't define that. So all the people said, no, we're going to serve the Lord. Do you see that? But Joshua says, you can't serve the Lord. They said serve the Lord, and in their mind it meant, oh, we're going to have God, we're going to have the blessings, but I'm keeping all this too. And God says, no, service doesn't look like that. When you serve me, there are no other gods. It's me first. He says, so you can't serve the Lord. So see, all the emotion, all the remembrance, it meant nothing to God because their hearts truly weren't repentant of where they were. Please tell me you see that. The words from your mouth, friend, they mean absolutely nothing to God if your heart is not fully set on them. That's why Joshua said, you can't serve the Lord, for He's a holy God. He's a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins if you don't really mean to repent and be separate from them. That's why hell's going to be full of people and many people hear me. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, they're going to stand at the great white throne and talk about all they did for God. And when they prayed a prayer, but the words that came across their lips didn't really reflect the intent of their heart. He had no intent to turn away from the world and putting Christ as Lord. But he had every intent of adopting the present day description and definition of what commitment and service is. But God defines what it is. He alone. That's why in Matthew chapter 15, verses 7 through 9, Jesus looked at the Pharisees and said, and when they began to talk about how they served the Lord, he said, hypocrites. Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you? Listen. These people draw near to me with their mouth. They're all singing, thank you, Lord, for your blessings on me, with, I mean, calf tears rolling down their cheeks. But they honor me with their lips. Listen, but their heart is far from me. Did you hear that? They said the right things. They were going through the motions. And to everybody else, man, it looked awesome. But, friend, God sees the heart. The Bible says, and in vain, that means... With, without effect, they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. And that's the truth, friend. Most churches today are more committed to protecting man-made traditions than they are upholding the Word of God. 
They treat them like somehow they've, they've, they've found their way into the Bible somewhere. I didn't say that. Jesus said that. He said, so there's, 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 a, there's a response that has to be made. Look at verse number 20. He says, if you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after he has done you good. He says, if you, if you turn away, if, if that, that word should have struck into their hearts, they heard it for 40 years. Leviticus 26, God through Moses, bottom line, he says, if you wholly serve me, verses 1 through 13 of Leviticus 26, I'm going to bless you, I'll take care of you, I will prosper you. No nation shall be able to stand against you. You're going to be, friend, in, in a protective bubble. Nothing, no one can hurt you if you wholly serve me. But then in verse number 14 of Leviticus 26, two words, but if. But if you turn your heart away and begin to serve these false gods. Remember, they weren't putting God fully away. They're still coming to church. Still good God-fearing people. But they were also sharing their love and their affection with the things of the world. They really weren't holy committed. God says, if you do all those things, then I'm going to bring the wrath of God down upon you. But and if. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. That if. There's a decision that has to be made. But if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. But if. It's conditional. God desires to save all people, but it's conditional. You've got to choose. The nation of Israel had to choose to wholly turn and to wholly trust Christ. And you hear me this morning, if you've never been saved, it's not about you joining the church or being religious or deciding to add God to your life. I remember a kid several years ago when I was serving a different job. He was way overweight. We put him on the fat man program. And so one of the guys that worked for me was in one squad. He, his wife was a trainer. and They got him all these protein shakes. They're going to help him cut some weight. Well, they came down the hall one day and he was drinking those protein shakes, eating a large pizza by himself. He, he, he was trying to intermingle his health with unhealthy. And friend, God says, if you'll wholly turn away from sin and trust me, you will be saved. It's conditional. Matthew 6, 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. Then these things shall be added unto you. It's a daily choice to wholly surrender our lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Third, notice this. Now, a remedy for success. I want everybody to look at me. Do you really want the full blessing of God upon your life? Yes or no? I mean, do, do you really? God knows whether you do or not. Do you really want it? This is a biblical remedy for success. You can have that. You can walk in victory daily. Joshua didn't come up with this. God is speaking it through him. Now remember, it begins with salvation. The nation of Israel, they got led out of Egypt. If spiritually you're still in Egypt, you've never turned from sin and trusted Christ and been led out by the blood of the Lamb, you can't even begin to experience God's blessing 
But if you'll only turn and trust him today, then you can begin to experience that. Well, what are those things? What's that remedy for success? First off, fear the Lord. Look at verse number 14. Now, therefore, fear the Lord. That, that is, friend, to have a reverential awe for God. Listen to me. Every person in this room is going to stand before God one day. Either at the judgment throne or the judgment seat. Revelation 20, at the judgment throne, at the judgment seat, 2 Corinthians 5, as a believer. And what you do with Jesus Christ determines which line you're going to be in. And that, that ought to bring fear to us. Not fear shame, but a reverential awe that causes us to be respectful of who God is, who we're not, and that one day we're going to give an account. As a lost person, you're going to give an account for every opportunity you had to be saved, the sin that you never repented of, and you'll experience degrees of judgment in hell for all eternity based upon the love that you rejected that God wanted to share with you. As a believer, you're going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ and you're going to give an account for what you did or did not do in ministry for Jesus Christ. I didn't say that. Apostle Paul said to the church at Corinth, 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. We ought, there ought to be a, a, a measure of fear in us. Now, therefore, fear the Lord. You don't hear a lot about 1 John 5 and verse 16 anymore, which is John speaks about the sin unto death. Church family, I want to remind you, the Bible teaches that God loves some saved people so much who enter into unrepentant sin that he kills them and brings them home before it was ever their time because they would not repent of sin and wholly serve the Lord. That's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10 and verse number 28, people were worried about what the Pharisees were going to do and the government was going to do to them. Jesus says, don't, don't worry about those, but fear him which is able to destroy soul and body in hell. Everybody else is feared what somebody's going to think about. It. A big one, Western North Carolina, East Tennessee, everybody's scared to death what their family's going to say. So fearful, going to upset my family. Well, friend, the Bible doesn't say anything about that. Now, therefore, fear your family. It says, first off, fear the Lord. Have a reverential awe for God that honors Him. Secondly, the second remedy is to honestly and sincerely serve. I know that's kind of a duh, but God's just cutting to the nuts and bolts of it. Fear the Lord. He's calling you to serve the Lord, so do it. You know, and I, when I first started off in ministry, I just I assumed so much. You know, well, people get it, and they say they get it, and they nod their head and they amen, they're going to do it. But that's just not the case. I've learned after many years in ministry, people sit and smile, and they nod their head, amen. Yeah, oh, I know I need to have a quiet time, amen. And they never do it. I know I need to be witnessing, amen. Uh, reach the lost at any cost, amen. And they never do it. I know I need to take time to be holy. I know as a parent, I, I need to have no opportunities and no outlets for Satan to influence my family. I, I, I know it, but they never do it. They never do it. And so God says, and he challenges the people, look at verse number 14, fear the Lord, comma, and serve him. But notice the two descriptions, in sincerity and in truth. What's he saying? Stop playing church. Stop playing church. Be real. Be authentic. 
Be an all-in Christian. Be an all-in disciple. That's what he's telling the nation of Israel. Stop just mouthing words and nodding your head. Be authentic and be real. Serve the Lord. Holy give your life to Him. Mark 12, 30. It'll be marked by loving the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That means there's nothing or no one that you love more than Him. And commit to serve the Lord with your whole life. And seniors, can I remind you, all your life. You never come to a place of retirement. You don't retire, but you refire. So many seniors I meet, friend, that they don't finish well. They become bitter. They miss out on God's best. And they just sit and sour in their last days rather than experiencing daily miracles in a life that's surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Serve the Lord. Remedy for success. Fear Him. Honestly, sincerely serve. And third, sever ties to sin. Look at verse number 14. Now therefore, fear the Lord, serve Him sincerity and truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river. Serve the Lord. Verse number 23. Now therefore, He said, put away the foreign gods which are among you. He says, not which might be. And I'm sure some of the people are like, how do you know? Because He's God. Friend, you hear me. God sees the real you. He knows everything that's in your life. And you'll never, you're never going to experience His best as, as His child if you're trying to share Him with the world. And I don't mean, friend, being a flaming evangelist standing on the side corner trying to share Him. I mean straddling the fence, sharing your relationship with God, and then you're loving the world. Loving God, loving the world. You'll never experience His best. You've got to sever ties to sin. That means put it away. And I, and I know I've heard so many times, well, now that's, that's legalistic. And Brother Chad, you're a pastor. There's different standards. I've, 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 I've had people say that. Friend, there's only one standard. It's Christ. Philippians 2, 5 says, let this mind that was in Christ Jesus be in you also. That means think like Christ, speak like Christ, act like Christ in all ways. It's not just for super elite, friend. It's God's desire for all people. Why is the world in the shape that it's in? It's light darkness. Because the church has failed to live on mission. I'm telling you, friend, when the lost world looks at the church today, they laugh. It's a joke. Because there's not the authenticity. Why? Because they go to work, they live beside. They spend time doing things lost people do with people that say they're saved, but they're riding the fence. He says, if you won't experience the power of God on your life, sever ties to sin. Verse 23, incline your heart to God. That means lean away from the world and lean into Jesus. Friend, when I got married, I leaned away from any other woman I knew or might ever be, and I inclined myself to my wife. And that's the way we are to be with Jesus Christ. I incline myself. To the Lord God of Israel. Through His Son which loved me and gave Himself for me. No desire to go back. We're to love. We're to pursue. And we're to worship Him. What's their response? Look at it in verse 21. Now the invitation's being given. And the people said to Joshua, No, but we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. 
Everything seems good. Doesn't that sound like a good response? Hello? Doesn't sound like a good response? No, but we will serve the Lord. So I'm sure everybody left and thought, man, it was just awesome. That's where we come forth now to the rest of the story. So they probably all went out to eat, as some of you are going to do, and they entered into the, to the restaurant and probably saw some other people from other villages and like, well, how, how was it? Did you have a good service? Yeah, oh, it's great service. Great service. Joshua brought a message there at Shechem. I mean, testimonies you wouldn't believe. It was awesome. They sang, thank you, Lord, for your blessings on me. I squalled. Squalled. So many, the whole church made a decision to serve the Lord. It's a good one. Oh, we had us a good one. And everybody that went home after eating would be like, man, that's awesome. They, they really made commitments to the Lord. Hear me, church family. The evidence of true commitment is not in the, in the moment that it happens. It's in the days to come, illustrated in shoe leather. Did you hear me this morning? When you say, I'm wholly committing myself to Christ, listen to me. The evidence is going to be in the days to come. Whether you really did it. Was there really change that took place? The proof of commitment is not in the moment, but in the days to come. Turn the page, maybe one or two. I don't know the size of your Bible, but look at Judges chapter 2, verse 1. So Joshua has now died. Not many days have gone by. And someone that was mentioned in verse number 7 shows up in the midst. See, now there's not a leader. And God's going to have to send judges to lead the people. And so notice what the Bible says in verse 1 of chapter 2. Then the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bochum and said to the nation of Israel, I led you up from Egypt and brought you to the land which I swore to your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. And you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land. You shall tear down their altars, but you have not obeyed my voice. Well, wait a second. They all left and said, no, but we will serve the Lord. We'll serve Him. But they didn't mean it. I'm telling you, friend, that's the reason the world's in the shape that it's in. There are Christians running around who say they're going to live on mission, they're going to be all in, but they're not. They're not. And so the proof of commitment is not in just the words. It's in the evidence of a lived-out, surrendered life. Please tell me you see that. So Jesus looks at them and says, you've not obeyed this, you haven't done this. Look at verse 3. Therefore I also said, I will not drive them out from before you, but they, they shall be thorns in your side, and their gods shall be a snare unto you. So it was when the angel of the Lord spoke these words to all the children of Israel, that all the people lifted up their voices and they wept, just like they'd done before. Well, maybe they're going to repent. Maybe they're going to really change, and they're really going to put Jesus Christ first, hear me, so they can experience His full blessing upon their life because they certainly have the opportunity to do this. And then so look at verse number 11, which picks up right after 5. 
Then the children of Israel left that place and did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Baals. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers who had brought them up out of the land of Egypt. They followed those gods from among the gods of the people who were all around them. They bowed down to them and they provoked the anger of the Lord. And they forsook the Lord and served Baal and Astaroth. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. Friend, listen to me. The rest of the story is this. doesn't matter what you say unless your heart is wholly inclined to do it, and then you do it. You do it. I mean, they didn't want to experience God to depart from them, but they weren't going to let go of the world. So, I know that a few chose, but the majority didn't. And I know the Bible teaches in 1 Timothy 3 and 2 Timothy chapter 3 and 2 Timothy chapter 4 that in the last days, which we are certainly living in, there will be a great apostasy that takes place. Many who confess Christ will begin to live more like the world than a born-again believer. That's what the majority will do. But you hear me as we come to imitation. That doesn't mean I have to do it. It doesn't mean that you have to do it. Joshua heard all of this, all these commitments. And friend, don't you know, after 40 years of leadership amongst his people, he sat there with his eyes turned sideways when he listened to them make all these promises. Hoping and praying. But he knew who he had pastored for 40 years. And even though the majority wasn't going to get all in, notice what Joshua said at the end of verse number 15. He just snuck it in there. This is the only place we see where Joshua spoke something of himself in chapter 24 that God didn't lead him to. He said, just want you to know, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. So the rest of you may choose not to, but I'm going to. Friend, the Bible says in the last days, men are going to turn away. They're going to say they're Christians, but they're not going to live like Christians. They're going to live like lost people. But I don't have to choose to do that, and you don't either. If you've never been saved, you can choose Christ today by simply turning from sin and receiving Him to be Lord of your life. If you are saved, but you're not all in, you can put aside all those idols today, and you can put Jesus first. Listen, and through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, as you yield yourself to Him, He will live His life through you, John 15, 5. Because you can't do anything without him, Philippians 4, 13, but you can do everything as he does it through you. You can choose to do that. And so as we come to invitation, Joshua gave one, I'm extending one to you. On behalf of God, if you've never been saved, choose today and turn Christ to be Lord of your life. And if you have been saved, but you're not all in, listen to your pastor, look at me. Stop playing church stop playing church stop playing footsie with the world stop holding hands with the world or stop having a full out affair with the world put all that away and choose to wholly serve jesus christ and then live it out in the days to come and i promise you on the authority of god's word you'll experience the power of god in your life god will do things through your life he'll reach lost people that couldn't have been reached by anybody else because he wants to use you to do it but friend the choice is yours I call you today to wholly serve the Lord. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. If you've never been saved, trust Him now. God's done everything short to violate your free will to see you saved. 
But you must choose to turn and receive Jesus as Lord of your life. He died for you. He bled for you. He rose again for you to offer you life and life more abundantly. But you must receive this free gift of salvation. Won't you do it where you sit right now? Let the words you say to Jesus, my friend, truly reflect, truly reflect your heart to trust Him as Lord of your life today. Pray just like this. God, forgive me a sinner. I turn from all my sin. I believe Jesus died for me and rose again. And here as I turn from sin, I trust Christ to be Lord of my life. Now God, take me and make me into the man and woman, man or woman that you want me to be. And help me as I choose to serve you every single day. That's my prayer of commitment today. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You say, I know I'm saved. But I've got to be honest before God, His Spirit's convicted me. I am not all in. I've become apathetic, indifferent. I'm not all in. According to God's definition of serve the Lord, I don't serve the Lord. But I want to fix it today. My desire is to put away all the false gods and incline myself to the Lord today. Tell him so right now. God, forgive me of what brought me to this place. I own it. I own it. And I turn away from it today. Oh God, I pray that this will be a, a new beginning as you revive me spiritually. I choose today to wholly follow you and to wholly serve you. From this day forward, never turning back. God, won't you do great and wonderful things through me? Forgive me of the past. Restore to me what the locusts have eaten away. And God, from this point forward, me and my house will serve the Lord. Father, challenge your church. You speak to each of us individually. And God, I pray sincerely and wholly we'll respond to you today. It's in Christ's name we pray. Let's reverently stand our feet.